0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Hey, good morning, North family. How are you this morning? <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Hey, growing up, we, um, we became familiar with a lot of dynamic duos, right? Just uh, certain combinations of two people or elements that came together that when you think of one, you automatically think about the other one. So let's just have a little pop quiz here. I'm going to tell you the first name or the first, you know, title, and let's see if you guys can fill in the blank, all right? Let's see how well you do, all right? Here we go, all right. Peanut butter and? That was a softball. You guys did awesome. Okay, here we go. Batman and? Mario and? Luigi. Uh-oh, got a little quieter. Yes, Mario and Luigi. All right, burger and? All right, good. I was waiting to see if someone was going to say shake. Or steak, or no, burger and fries, absolutely. Lilo and Stitch, all right. How about Romeo and Juliet? R2-D2. All right, because tell the Star Wars fans. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby. Phineas and Ferb. All right, Mac and Cheese. Cheese. Okay, some of you get a little hesitant there. Uh, Elsa and Anna. Anna. All the people with girls like, oh, we know that one, all right. And last one. Prayer and? Oh, you said it. Prayer and fasting. Give yourselves a hand. You guys are awesome on that. (laughs) Chad and Rika. That's awesome. Chad and Rika. Hey, part of our discipleship journey uh, as followers of Christ is learning how to grow and mature in the spiritual discipline of fasting. But the reality is fasting is one of our least favorite topics and least favorite pursuits as people typically. Uh, When you start to engage fasting with your prayer life, it really does have this effect on your prayers and on your prayer life. It sort of supercharges your prayers. And so this is the last message in our prayer series, we spent the last six weeks you know, going through prayer, looking at Matthew 6 and what Jesus taught about prayer. We use that prayer acronym as a, as a guide, as a help. that you know, When we pray, it's good to pray uh, praise of, uh, prayers of praise and repentance and asking and then yielding. We've, we've covered that. If, if you're uh, new here or you're not familiar, you can go back and watch and catch up. But it just doesn't feel right. To talk about prayer without talking about fasting, I remember months ago sitting around an elder table and we were talking about our, you know, this big uh, you know, Herculean effort to get prayer back on the front of the radar as we move into the new year. And some of our elders go, you know, we, ra- we really could use some insights on and teaching on fasting as well because of how important it is. And so uh, we're going we're to talk about fasting today. A couple questions for you. How many Christians, just answer to yourself, you don't have to answer out loud. Uh, how many Christians do you know that actually regularly practice prayer and fasting? Uh, how regularly do you practice prayer and fasting? And if you were to describe your practice of prayer and fasting in one word, what's the word that comes to mind that would best describe your type of engagement with prayer and fasting. Fasting is one of the most feared and avoided of the spiritual disciplines. Many Christians deal with what we might want to call fastophobia, right? A little bit of afraid to fast. And so my hope for us today is that we're all going to listen, we're all going to grow, we're all going to be challenged, we're all going to take next steps in what we are going to hear today regarding fasting and praying. And the big idea I really want us to grab a hold of today is this. Fasting and praying together can strengthen our intimacy with God, Strengthen our resistance to temptation, can strengthen our clarity in decisions, and strengthen our intercessions for others. Fasting and praying together can strengthen our intimacy with God, resistance to temptation, clarity in decisions, and intercession with others. Now, before diving in, I want to be very upfront and vulnerable uh, about this topic. I am not coming to you today preaching this message out of a place of strength in my own life. When I think about fasting and praying, I've done my fair share of fasting and praying in my life as a believer, as as a pastor, but if I were to give myself a letter grade, I would probably give myself like a C minus. And it's not that I'm resistant to it or I really avoid it. I just don't think about it enough. I don't take advantage of the power that God has in my prayer life when it comes to exercising fasting on a more regular basis. So I just want to be very clear here. I'm not up here going, hey, I'm crushing this in my own life and you're going to learn from me because I'm amazing at it. I'm going, man, this, this is coming to you today with fresh conviction in my life. As a Christian, let alone a pastor, I really should be like at a B plus. And as I look at, you know, now that we've been here nine months at North Bible Church, just looking ahead at what I think I'm getting a sense of what God might have for us as a community, for us as a church, I'm recognizing I'm going to need to up my game when it comes to fasting and probably all of us will to experience what God has for a north bible church and so I just want to make it really clear this this is coming to you as a place of I want to grow and learn and respond to the conviction the Lord has brought in my own life on this topic so let us learn together <laughs> I invite you to learn with me and grow with me in this area of fasting. So with that, let's open our Bibles up again to Matthew chapter six. We've been to Matthew chapter six uh, for the last six weeks. We are entering into this uh, message on a mountain, right? The Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. He's surrounded by the masses. He's got his discipleship, his disciples close to him. He's instructing on many core Christian practices, thoughts, behaviors, attitudes. And we're gonna re-engage what he says about prayer. But now moving forward, just a few verses from where we left off, he's going to talk about fasting. So we're in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 16. And here's what he says. He says, "...and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face." That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will, what are those next two words? Reward you. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, you are holy. And you are good. You are fully satisfying. As we're just saying, you are more than sufficient for us. You're more than sufficient for our every need. God, we recognize that you should be our greatest desire, our greatest hunger, our greatest thirst. And I come before you, we come before you confessing that that's not often true. Lord, we know that self-denial is not attractive to us. Self-denial is not easy for us. And so please help us grow today in what we read and what we hear. Father, guide my mouth, God, my heart, guide my lips as I communicate your word May all of us have open hearts and open minds to receive what you have for us today and courage and obedience to walk it out. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all sit together, amen. Looking back at Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18, I just want to make four observations in the area of fasting for us today. The first one is this. Fasting is a common discipline for Christians. Fasting is a common discipline for Christians. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching. uh, That Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew 5 through 7. But Jesus is is speaking to beliefs and attitudes and behaviors and characteristics that should be true of those who follow him. And so when you look back over the Sermon on the Mount, he narrows in on three core disciplines, giving, praying, and fasting. And when you look at what he taught, he didn't say, you know, if you give. He said, when you give. So it's a common practice discipline for believers to give to the ministry of Christ, right? He didn't say, if you pray. He said what? When you pray, because it's a common discipline for believers to pray. And then he didn't say, if you fast, he said it twice in what we just read. He said what? When you fast. Jesus is making the assumption that his followers will fast. He said, when you fast. And so he's letting us know by his statements that fasting is a normal part of the Christian life. It's just assumed. That's what his followers will do. Now, he doesn't command us to fast. He's not saying how long we should fast or where to fast or how to fast or what method to use or what specifically to fast from. He just says, when you fast. Now, fasting might sound weird today, especially in our culture, that's so repulsed by any idea of self-denial, right? Right? We live in self, a self-indulgent, I want it and I want it now, culture. So the idea of fasting might seem kind of weird. It might seem very unpleasant, uh, unattractive. But in the time of Christ, if, if you were a religious person, it was weird if you didn't fast. It's like, well, of course you do. It's just part of exercising your spiritual disciplines. Now, some of the fastophobia that we uh, experience is because in our particular culture we are obsessed with and misuse food look we eat when we don't need to we even eat when we don't want to right we eat when we're bored we eat when we're needing to be comforted this appetite inside of us is like a dictator beckoning us to obey and 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 um and be enslaved to its appetites. It wants to be served. In addition to that, self denial is not a core value in our society, and we personally do not like discomfort. Now, My wife and I just had, we just sat and laughed the other day because Fridays are my day off, and um, I had pretty much a day to myself. Faith was at work, Rika had something going on, so I had a whole day to myself. I was thinking, I'm going to be productive, I'm going to work, I'll probably get couple sermons done, I'm gonna load this thing up. You know what I did? I got back home and I just said, you know what? I'm gonna put my PJs back on. I'm like, I want an English muffin. With jelly and butter. It was so good, I wanted another. So I had another. You know what I did? It triggered my carb thing. I thought, you know what, I haven't had an ego with peanut butter and syrup on it in a while. Let's make one of those. A little bit later, I'm like, hmm, there's bags of Doritos. I sat there all day on Friday, <laughs> and I ate like I haven't ate in a long time. I was bored, I was tired, I was lazy. I just indulged. And then later when Rika came home, I told her, and we just, she just laughed at me, and I laughed. Like that dictator just had its day with me. Just had, like just. So this is our life, right? So the idea of fasting Man, that that just seems bizarre. But in the Bible, God presents fasting as a discipline that's good and it's beneficial and it's powerful. You know, the Bible mentions fasting over 70 times. You see personal fast, you see congregational, corporate fast, and you see national fast. And when we see fast in the scriptures, it's because people are fasting because they're grieving, they're needing strength they're needing protection, they're asking God for guidance, they're repenting and confessing of sins, they're dedicating oneself to God, they're overcoming temptation. So I guess if we really, really mean business in our prayer life and we need, you know, we're grieving or we need strength or we need protection or we need, you know, to overcome temptation or whatever it is, we can execute this amazing gift that God gave us into our prayer life of fasting. Now the word fasting because all of you, you know, original language people say, well, what's in the, the original language, right? In the original language of the Bible, the Hebrew word for fasting is the word som. It literally means not to eat. And then in the Greek, it's the word "nesteia," which means no food. So fasting in the Bible in its truest form regards to not eating food, although you can expand it uh, to other areas of your life. A few quotes from some uh, uh, well-known and renowned theologians and authors said some great things about fasting. A man named Donald Whitney said, a Christian's voluntary absence from food for spiritual purposes. That's how he would describe fasting. Richard Foster says that it's the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself, for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. And so we get a good sense of what fasting is. And fasting only refers to food in the Bible in its truest forms, but we can exercise creativity and variety in our forms of fasting. Um, You can do an absolute fast. That's when you fast from food and liquids for a few days. I mean, you can only go a few days without water. So don't try to be like super spiritual, be like, I'm going to go 40 days without water. That's not smart, right? But you can go 40 days without food. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness, right? You can do what's called a normal fast, which is usually you fast from food and not water, but for a determined time. You can do a partial fast, which is you fast on certain days or from certain meals, some sort of a hybrid application of how often or a rhythm of fast is a fit. Uh, You can customize your fast. You can fast from sweets or coffee or soda or alcohol or nicotine, media, social media, Devices. Try that one. How about fasting from your phone? Some of you are like, "Oh, now you're stepping on toes." <laughs> we could fast from other vices or habits. You can even uh, fast from sex. Some of you, when you read 1 Corinthians seven, talks about a time of dedication for the husband or wife. Some of you are giving me the side eye right now. I'm like, "I didn't write it. God did. Don't take it with me." You know. And so, there's lots of different ways you can fast. We give up. We give up things that we like and want and even need at times for spiritual gains. See, self-denial opens up a door for spiritual gains. So when we refuse to fast, we're refusing to step into a place where we might have greater spiritual gains in our life. So fasting is giving up anything temporary with a spiritual motivation. That's a fast. Now why? Why fast at all? Simply said, I would say physical fasting promotes spiritual feasting. Physical fasting will promote Spiritual feasting, where we grow spiritually by denying ourselves of a physical need. When we fast, we deny ourselves a physical desire to devote ourselves to prayer, especially prayers of confession of sin, prayers of intercession for ourselves, or for loved ones. We fast to spark a greater hunger for God and the things that God cares most about. Also, fasting can demonstrate that we truly are not a slave to our appetite, a slave to those I don't know, presences in our life, food and others that are robbing us of a greater intimacy with God. And so when we fast, we show that our greater priority is to be a servant of Christ, not a servant of food. And so fasting is not merely going without food. That's dieting. That's going hungry, right? A biblical understanding of fasting is when you temporarily deny yourself food so that your spirit can become uncluttered by worldly desires and worldly concerns. It's an effort to be more sensitive to God and the things of God. There's a purpose and a plan behind Christian fasting. So whether you're online right now, whether you're in the room, and you desire a deeper, more intimate, and fruitful relationship with God, or maybe you need God's help in a really big need in your life, or if you want to intensify your prayers of intercession for loved ones in your life, or maybe you have a situation that you really need God to speak to, or maybe you need breakthrough in an area of struggle, fasting can be an important discipline to bring online to have those breakthroughs. And so the first observation we make is simply this. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said what? When you fast. And so it's a common discipline for Christians and Jesus assumed his followers would fast. The second observation is this. Fasting is not for show. Right? Look again at what Jesus said. Matthew 6, 16 says, don't look gloomy. Don't disfigure your face. Don't do it to be seen by others. Matthew 6, 17 says, anoint your head. Wash your face. There's not a lot to unpack right here. It's pretty clear. Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to fast, just don't make it obvious. Jesus didn't want his disciples to look all downcast Look if they were in misery. He didn't want them drawing attention to themselves while they are fasting. And that's what the, some of the religious leaders at the time were doing. They really wanted people to recognize how spiritual they were, so they would make it very clear. You know, not wash, look a little unkempt, you know, you know kind of disfigure your face, like, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And so they tried to really display their spirituality. And that's what a lot of those priests were doing. And that was very hypocritical. And it was designed to impress people rather than god and so if you're making your fasting obvious what's your motive self-righteousness sympathy a need for attention uh mean, you know, can you imagine just you know the person who's going to go out to lunch with the work crew and like doesn't have anything on their plate like what's wrong oh i'm fasting because my superpower is spirituality so you go ahead and eat and indulge but me i'm fasting today you know, the person who's like, oh, belly aching, they haven't washed, they stink, they smell. They're like, what's wrong with that? Oh, just, I'm fasting, and it's kicking my butt, but I think God is pleased. You know, like, that's weird, right? Like, who's doing that? And so Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to fast, just don't make a spectacle of it. Don't do it for the attention of other people. And look what he said there. He says, if you do get attention from other people, there's your reward. Like, if others notice Take notice if they applaud you, mock you, whatever it is. Uh, the award you receive for trying to make a display of your fasting is the attention you got from people. Verse 16: Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. That's what they got for their fast. There was no other breakthrough to be experienced. But Jesus said, when you fast, you know, anoint your head with oil, wash your face, it's like, go about your regular business. The anointing of the head with oil, like they didn't all have showers in their houses. A lot of times a, a fragrant oil would be applied to you know freshen up, just kind of like a, a middle schooler might spray themselves with axe instead of take a shower, you know? <laughs> Anoint your head with oil, wash your face, like go about your daily, like it shouldn't be obvious to others that this is something you're doing. Now, many fast may be private, but not all. Your fasting doesn't have to be invisible or unknown. Uh, We see in Scripture times that people were called to a corporate fast. The whole nation fasted. Congregations fasted. Um, Obviously, we see it written in Scripture. There was awareness when others were fasting. They just didn't make a spectacle of it. So there's a good caution here to a danger that fasting could develop into a spiritual pride or a heartless activity making us think that we're more spiritual than others who fast, or that we're really moving the needle spiritually by just making sure everybody knows that that's what we're doing. That leads to hypocrisy. And it's really divorced from the heart issue of fasting. It's really interesting. That's kind of what's going to happen in a couple days. Because in a couple days, if if you're one of those people who likes to follow the rhythm of the church calendar of Lent, you know, Lent's going to start on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. But before Ash Wednesday, there's this day called Tuesday. Does anyone else know what it's called? It's called what? Fat Tuesday. That should tell you enough right there, right? (laughs) And so now originally, okay, that Fat Tuesday is known as Shrove Tuesday. And shrove is derived from the English word shrive, referring to confessing of sin and repentance, So it used to be, leading up to the six weeks before Easter time, where people would come and say, I want to repent, I want to confess, I'm going to enter into fasting from certain vices and foods to to kind of prepare my heart to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Instead of that, it's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to indulge. We're going to indulge to the max, not just on Tuesday, but maybe in weeks before, to prepare ourselves for a fast. everybody knows we're doing it. We're kind of throwing a party. In fact, if you didn't know, uh, in French, the word Fat Tuesday is Mardi Gras. That's what Mardi Gras is. It's Fat Tuesday on steroids, right? And so how is that really, truly authentic in trying to approach God with a heart of humility and to grow and to desire spiritual breakthrough? It's not. It's divorced. And so God's saying, look, Don't don't make a spectacle about that. Don't draw attention to yourself. Don't wear a shirt that says, I'm fasting today. Don't invite me to lunch. (laughs) Just look normal. Just smell normal. Just be normal and move along. So fasting is not for show, all right? Third observation, fasting is motivated by a heart for God. Matthew 6.18 says that, your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Jesus is reminding his followers to focus on pleasing God in a fast, not pleasing people. The disciples were to fast knowing God knew their heart, knew their motive, and that God's reward was going to be far better longer-lasting, and more fulfilling than any attention that people might give their way. And so our fasting, when we fast, it is directed to God. It's seen by God. It's motivated by God. It's rewarded by God. And the reality is, when we fast, it doesn't change God. It changes us. It changes our receptivity to His voice. It probably kind of uh, hones our Uh, receptors to God's voice in our life, God's nudges in our life. And so when we fast, we are to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that we're serious about our relationship with Him, and that He truly is our greatest desire. Our greatest appetite is for the Lord. Psalm 34a says, "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you've been following Christ, do you know what that means? Like we man, there's some great tasting food out there. And, and God allows us to enjoy, like God didn't give us taste buds, you know, as a bummer, like God gave us taste buds on purpose. He wants to enjoy the pleasure of, of finely prepared food. But our greatest taste is of God and his goodness, and his love, and his grace, and his mercy. Taste and see that the Lord is so much better than anything we've ever put in our mouth. And when we partake of the Lord, it's sweeter and more fulfilling than any other pursuit in our life. And so therefore, our fasting flows from and flows to a connection with God, a deeper connection with the Lord. It's a form of worship. It's a form of wanting to hear more from God and His Word. I like how Job says it in Job twenty-three, twelve. He says, I have not departed from the commandments of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my portion of food. If you are in the regular rhythm of being in God's word and I hope that you are, you know what that means. That there's some sort of satiating, satisfying, filling nature to the soul when we spend time with God and in his word. It's better than what our stomachs feel for food when our soul is full of God's presence and God's words. So satisfying. Uh, pastor and author John Piper, in his book, "Hunger for God," says, Christian fasting at its root, is the hunger of a homesickness for God. Christian fasting is not only the spontaneous effect of superior satisfaction in God, it's also a chosen weapon against every force in the world that would take that satisfaction away. And I love that last line. Not only when we fast is always saying, God, my appetite needs to be for you. It's our way of fighting against that we are finding satisfaction, greater satisfaction in anyone else or anything else. And so he needs to be our heart motive. Something happens in self-denial when God is our heart motive and the things of God is our heart motive. And so when we fast, we're making room to seek God with greater urgency. And those hunger pangs that we feel Remind us to hunger for God. And so, uh, strategically, before taking on a fast, it's best to identify a God-centered purpose, a prayer target, a desired breakthrough, a growth hurdle to jump, clarity and direction from God. Then you'll know that God is your heart motive for fasting. Okay? So fasting should be a common discipline for believers in Christ. It's not for show. God needs to be our heart motive, and fasting and prayer often go together. I know this is kind of stating the obvious, but it's worth stating. So when we look at Matthew 6, Jesus is addressing fasting right on the heels of addressing prayer and giving. And so you see it's really in the context of prayer that he moves into his teaching on fasting They go together. And so here's the reality. You can um, pray without fasting, right? That's fine, that's good, we do it all the time. You can pray without fasting, but you really shouldn't be fasting without prayer. That's the game changer. And so when we fast, it leads to deeper prayer. And scripture often links fasting and prayer together. Here's some quick hits for you. Jesus fasted and prayed while he was in the wilderness, right? Preparing for his ministry. Uh, Anna, a woman of faith, fasted and prayed in the temple. Uh, Daniel fasted and prayed to God to have mercy on his chosen people. The Israelites prayed and fasted as they praised God and confessed sin. Esther prayed and fasted to God for his help. David fasted and prayed for his enemies. Just kind of a sidebar there. Man, if you've got those people in your life that you're, you're bitter, maybe it's time to hit that bitterness through fasting. That's what David did there in Psalm 35. Uh, the disciples of Jesus were instructed to fast by Jesus to cast out certain demons. Paul and Barnabas fasted and prayed to ask God for guidance on appointing elders in the church. And so we often see, this is just some of the examples, but we often see how prayer and fasting are combined. In the Old Testament, a lot of times when it was combined, it was for mourning, it was for confession of sin. We see in the New Testament a lot of times when prayer and fasting were combined, it was for power and for breakthrough and for focus. And so the way this works is that fasting is a great prompt for prayer. Uh, When I fast, what happens is when I start to feel that, you know, start to get hungry, that's my prayer alarm. That instead of reaching for food to satisfy my stomach, I want to reach for prayer to satisfy my heart and soul. And so trust me, when you're fasting and your stomach and your body start to let you know, especially in the first day or two, you pray a lot. Because you don't realize how often you snack and grab for something. And so it's beautiful Because instead of grabbing for food or that beverage or whatever it is, you're grabbing for the Lord. So fasting is a prompt to pray. It's so helpful. Donald Whitney again said, Fasting is one of the best friends we can introduce to our prayer life. Despite this potential power, however, it seems that very few are willing to enjoy its benefits. And so fasting truly does supercharge our prayers. So four observations, right? Jesus taught on fasting in Matthew 6. Fasting is common for Christians. It's not for show. It needs to be motivated by a heart for God. And prayer and fasting go together. So as you're sitting here mulling this over, I want to lean into some just practical tips. Because the reality is a lot of us in this room have not really engaged fasting. And so you might be thinking, well, what would it look like? What can it look like? Let me just, for, I know some of this will be redundant. Just give some tips on fasting. Um, one, again, different types full fast, partial fast, fasting for certain foods or liquids, coffee, soda, alcohol, sweets, snacking, etc. You can do long fasts, 40 days, 30 days, 20 days, 10 days. You can do short fasts, a couple days. You can fast different days of the week. Hey, every Wednesday, I'm going to fast. You can fast certain meals. Hey, every lunch for this week, I'm going to fast. And uh, you can you can play with uh, the frequency of it you can include fasting from media tv shows netflix etc social media your phone devices you can fast from shopping some of you are like oh now you're really stepping on toes you can fast from shopping hobbies etc you can do private fasts you can fast with family and friends you can invite other family and friends to say hey let's really pray about this thing would you be willing to fast with me to pray for this unsaved family member or this family member who's in addiction, would you you join me in fasting and praying for this person? You can invite your family and friends. You can fast as a church. If you're you're new at it, you've never done it, just maybe start by skipping a meal a day for several days and just pray during that time. Uh, Be healthy and wise. Know your unique health issues. Listen to your body. Watch your liquid intake. Stay hydrated. Uh, Not recommended. If you struggle with an eating disorder, that might trigger something that's not good. And so that might not be a time to fast. If you're sick, pregnant, you have severe health issues, diabetes, like, got to be careful, be smart, know your body. And as you fast, it's not that you're just stopping one thing, you're replacing it. Everyone say replace. Make sure on the page. So when you fast in prayer, you're replacing food with time in the Word, prayer, worship music, something to point your heart to God. And so um, you can keep a Bible close, increase your Bible intake, Keep worship music close. Memorize scripture. Maybe there's some specific passages that when you're hungry, you say that passage. It triggers the memory verse. Uh, keep water close. Maybe journal during that time. Listen for the Lord's voice and the sense of his leading. When you're hungry and you start to be like, oh, I just want to eat, and you're hungry and your stomach's rumbling, you say, God, here I am. I'm listening. What do you want to say to me? You know, just, it's, it's a very different posture. You're not just going without food. You're fasting for spiritual benefit with a spiritual target. I want to just briefly share the first time I really took on a significant fast. I was young in ministry and I had a situation that came online. I had a couple that served in my student ministry and there was unfaithfulness in their marriage. She was unfaithful to him. And uh, obviously they had to step back we didn't know if their marriage was going to make it, but they had to step back and work on their marriage. And they did. And at one point he said, hey, Chad, I'd still love to serve on a regular basis. I'd still love to lead in the worship team and lead a small group. If I'm in a good place. I'm working through what's going on in my heart. And uh just felt like that was appropriate. So he stepped in and started serving again. And they were working on their marriage. And at some point she said, I would like to step in too. But something inside my heart, like had a check. I'm like, I don't think she's ready. I, I, don't, I don't think she's ready to do this yet. And so um, my answer was no. Like, I'm, I'm just going to tell her no. And God was kind of like, You need to pump the brakes. Have you really prayed about this yet? I'm like, Well, no. <laughs> and I had been reading on fasting. I'm like, You know what? I'm going to fast over this decision before I just make it. And so I really told the Lord, Lord, I don't know how long I'm going to fast, but I'm going to fast until I have a clear answer from you. I just started on this fast. I just had my cup of water. I had a lot of water for a lot of days. And I fasted, and every time I was hungry, I kept praying about this couple and praying about what the right thing to do is. And after several days, about four or five days, God changed my mind. He basically told me, no, say yes to her. I'm like, what? Okay. And so we scheduled a breakfast. We sat down. I'm getting ready to say yes, even though inside I'm going, it doesn't feel right, but God's telling me to tell her yes. And as we sat down, they said, hey, thank you for your time. We'd like to go first. And she said, I don't think I'm ready yet. She goes, I think I need to grow some more and heal some more. You see what God did? Like, I might have really hurt them or injured them if I would have just stepped in early and made that call. But God slowed my role, allowed me to incorporate some fast. I, I believe I heard God at a different level of clarity than I did. He was already working on the situation. And so I really saw God come through the first time I stepped into a challenging fast as a young Christian man. And so it really does supercharge your prayers and how you hear God. All right, just a few questions as we're turning a corner here. First question for you is this. Will you become more open to including fasting in your life? Just gotta think about it. This is a challenge. Some of you are ready to roll. Some of you are wrestling with God. And so are you willing to be open to including fasting more in your life moving forward? Would you be willing to confess or deal with any of your fastophobia if you've got it? Would you lay that before the Lord and ask him to deal with that? Also, moving forward, will you plan and schedule some intentional fasting time? We keep coming back to that failure to plan is planning to fail. Yeah, I'll do some fasting six months from now. You're like, I never did that, right? So when's a good time for you? How can you block that? How can you schedule that in your own regular rhythms in life? And lastly, moving forward, will you respond and fast when the Holy Spirit prompts? There will be times, and right now might be one of them, by the way, where you never really thought about fasting, but the Lord's going, hey, why don't you think about fasting? The Holy Spirit's nudging you. Will you respond when the Holy Spirit does that? I have one more challenge for you. I'm gonna invite the worship team to join me up as we're getting ready here. And I went back and forth on this in my heart, but God kind of gave me a resounding yes, is I'm actually going to invite you, not not imposing, I'm inviting you to a 40-day fast as a church. And on all the tables around the room, a lot of times where you find our Lord's Supper, there's a card. And the 40-day fast is going to start on February 20th because I want you to take some time to pray and process, not to just make some impulsive decision to fast or not to fast, but really to lay this before the Lord. And we're going to fast from February 20th to March uh, 30th, which is the Easter weekend. And our prayer target will be basically this. As we fast, those of us who take this on for 40 days, we're going to ask that God would bring people to Christ through the ministry of North Bible Church at Easter. We're going to pray for those who... Uh, we've invited to come and worship with us on Resurrection Sunday to hear the gospel clearly and to respond. We're going to be praying for 40 days straight that God would work on their hearts and in their lives that they'd be responsive to God's leading. Uh, we're going to be praying for people that we personally didn't invite, but they're just going to show up. That as they show up, they hear the gospel, and God's been working in their life and heart and a place to respond. So we're going to pray that through the Ministry of North inside the building on Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, that we'll see people come to faith in Christ. But we're also going to be praying for the ministry of north outside the walls of the building. Because all of you have relationships. You're praying for people. You're talking to people. You're interacting with people who don't know Christ. Would you be willing to start to fast for those people's souls and those people's hearts? And maybe it's not going to be they come to a service, but they sit down with you and they, in your presence, surrender their life to Christ. That's still an extension of Norse ministry. And maybe you've got some other stuff going on in your life, some other big personal need, some breakthrough, some loved one that is heavy on your heart. Whatever it is, would you be willing to take the 40 days coming up and implement fasting of your choice? Full fast, partial fast, one meal a day, one day a week, whatever it looks like for you. And I'm going to invite you to take this card. Now the card says, count me in. Count me in for the 40-day fast. There's a spot for a name. There's a spot for an email. There's a spot for you to put what you're fasting from. Um, You don't have to fill that out. You can put your initials. You can fill as much or as little as you want. But what I'm going to ask is that if you fill out this card, take it and just set it down on this platform right here, just like that. I'm going to kind of turn this into like a little mini altar over the next week and a half. So whether it's during the song, after the service, you see, I'll count me in, fill it out, put it down here. That's great. If you come here midweek, you're here for Bible study, a life group, or some other gathering, you can sneak in here and throw it down. Next Sunday, they'll be available if you want to pray about it for a week. Like, what, what would this best look like for you? But it's an invitation to fast. For people who don't know Christ yet. That's our target. So I invite you to that couple other response options. One, we're going to have a couple prayer partners on each side of this room during the last song and after the service. If you need prayer, they're available to pray for you. If you don't have a relationship with Christ and you're very curious about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we'd love to share more about that with you. Uh, Come up to those prayer partners, myself or others, after the service. You can fill out that card that's in front of you in one of those seats. Let us know that you want to know more about following Christ. We'd love to follow up and help you understand what it means to follow Christ. Uh, last opportunity I want to make you aware of. We've been talking a lot about prayer, growing in prayer, scripture-fed, spirit-led, worship-based prayer. There's going to be a regional prayer night next month, March 19th. It's something called the Day of Renewal. It's going to be at another church. And there's going to be pastors and leaders and congregants from other churches just there praying. If that's something that sounds appealing to you, just make note of that. It's going to be uh, at Desert View Bible Church on March 19th, Sunday night at 7 And so you'll find out more about that, but that's just something to put on your radar, save the date. If this is an area you want to keep growing in and developing. So let's pray and uh, let's worship. Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand? Let's stand. Father, thank you for the challenging words in scripture. Thank you that you poke where it's uncomfortable. Thank you that you invite and call us to grow to develop, to learn. Father, I pray for all of us that whatever the Holy Spirit put on our heart today, that we will be faithful to act upon it. Where fasting is difficult, is challenging, our flesh does not want to do it. But for the sake of our soul, our relationship with you, the lives of others, help us to grow in this spiritual discipline, we ask. In Jesus' name, we all said together,